Welcome everybody. This is Pastor Lauren, also known as Kingdom Billionaire. I am here with you coming live to you with our Kingdom Talk podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Pastor Vaughn, aka Kingdom Billionaire. I'm here with Apostle David Williams. Kingdom Sniper is in the building. Welcome everybody. Welcome. So how's everybody doing today? Awesome. Great. We're doing really good. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Yes. How are you, Kingdom Sniper? You you ready to I am, I am doing just awesome, just wonderful. Ready to ready to snipe some people for the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, um, we're here with our brand new podcast. Um here with Kingdom Talk Podcast, and we are here to discuss kingdom topics from kingdom finance to kingdom language to a lot of different topics here in Kingdom Talk Podcast. And we will also very soon, we will be able to have a platform set for you where you'll be able to ask questions about the kingdom, uh, you know, about the different topics that we will be discussing. But today, today, we are going to focus on seeing and entering the kingdom of God, seeing and entering the kingdom of God. So kingdom builder, what do we mean by the topic seeing and entering the kingdom of God? Um, well, if we're talking about the kingdom of God, people are going to, you know, we've already described that the kingdom of God is the rulership of God in the hearts of believers, right? God wants to rule within us. And so when we talk about that, people are going to want to know once they understand it, how do I enter? How do I see it? And then how do I enter it, right? Um, and we know everything is spiritual, but we have to go back to the scriptures. And so we have to look in uh, the book of John chapter three, and we want to look verses, uh, you know, three three to through five. Uh, Jesus gives us an illustration and uh, explains it uh, to an extent. Um, we know this story. Uh, if you don't know this story, uh, there was a man who was a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Um, and he uh, he was noticing what Jesus was doing. He was seeing the demonstration of power. He was seeing uh, the healings, the deliverance, and he was seeing the, the different things that were taking place. And he was a Pharisee. And so he had to come and see Jesus by night secretly, you know, because it was like he didn't want to get in trouble from his other brothers uh, going to see Jesus. But he went. And when you look at verse three, he says, to, well, verse two, let me just read it. There was a man of the name of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. All right. Amen. And I'm going to stop there. We're going to kind of elaborate on there. But he gives us so there is a seeing the kingdom and then there's an entering the kingdom. Right. And we know from, um, you know, teachings that we've gotten uh, from our archbishop, our spiritual father, the professor E.H. Guti. He always tells us to come up here, my children, come here. 
Because what happens is a lot of people come to the church, they receive the kingdom of God there, but they receive Jesus. And but Jesus is the beginning. He's the door. He even said it. I am the door. Imagine coming to somebody's house or coming to the church and you just stand at the door. You never enter in the room. You never come in. Right. And we have a lot of people that have come to Jesus, but never gone beyond Jesus, meaning what he has to offer, gone deeper. They haven't entered into the kingdom. Right. Because religion has made us to believe. And uh, the sniper spoke about this. The Apostle David, he spoke about this is not about religion, but it's about relationship because this is what Jesus was bringing to the table. This is what makes him unique from all the prophets and from all who spoke before him that he was bringing a, a unique relationship that God had been dying to have with his people, an intimacy, a closeness. And and before you go even go any further, can you definitely, well, not you, let me go to Apostle David. Apostle David, can you just elaborate, you know, like what is the difference between religion and relationship? Well, the difference uh, between religion and relationship, religion causes you to follow uh, the set pattern of man, depending on where they're headed, you know, like, uh, you know, different uh, religions, they have different beliefs. So when you're talking about dealing with uh, religion versus relationship, when you're talking about relationship, that's when you came to a place in your life, uh, somebody comes to a place in their life where they want to get up close and personal with God, you know, a perfect example, say you can go into a church, okay? You go into that church and that church may have 20,000 people that are in that church. And you see them all, they hallelujah, praise God, they're lifting up their hands. But the real thing to really look at is that when God takes you and says, okay, you see all of these people, they, 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 it's, it's a religious practice, what, what they're doing. Okay. But then he'll come back and say, okay, out of these 20,000 people, how many of these people have a personal relationship with me? Mm -hmm. You know, because when you have a personal relationship with God, a relationship will take you places where religion won't take you. Mm -hmm. religion doesn't get you in, in, in into the religion doesn't get you into the realm of God mm -hmm. you know but relationship does and relationship not only gets you there but relationship and fellowship will keep you there when religion it doesn't do anything for you you know, and that's so powerful, Pastor David, uh, the Apostle David, from mm -hmm. the Apostle's chair, what you're saying, because it's so true. Religion is, and the Greek means bondage, right? And so it's bondage. And that's why Jesus came to set the captives free, right? That's why Jesus said he come, you know, said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor you know, to set those at liberty and those that were, were bonded. Religion makes you bonded. That's what the Pharisees were all about. It was bondage. It was rules and regulations mm -hmm. and all these yeah. different things. <laughs> yeah. And God was like, no, this is not what I intended. I intend for a relationship. I want a closeness. I want an intimacy. Well, mm -hmm. intimacy into me, you can see, 
right? Mm -hmm. So when God has an intimacy with you, you have an intimacy with him. You can see through in him and he can see in you. And yes. now this is where the connection comes. And like you said, a relationship will take us farther than mm -hmm. religion will ever done that. Because we were mm -hmm. all religious people at one point, okay? Mm -hmm. All of us on this line were all <laughs> religious people at one we, point. We had, we, we had a life before you, before before we we changed. Yeah. We had a life. <laughs> right. And so that life right there, we always ended up knowing God to an extent. You know, there's a book out there, this famous book that says Two Ways of Knowing God uh, by this guy named Ezekiel Guti our spiritual father, <laughs> this young man wrote some great books. And he says, you can know God through the Bible, right? Literature, <laughs> intellect. But then you, uh, th the other way is through a personal encounter. And I believe mm -hmm. that a lot of people have not experienced the personal encounter or they didn't know it was a personal encounter. Okay. Because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times that's that's really the most challenging thing is not knowing what that personal encounter that you've had. Mm -hmm. So uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Apostle David. No, I, want, I wanted to add something that, um, you know, is very, is very deep. And when we look at Daniel, uh, religion got Daniel in the lion's den, but relationship brought him out. Right. Religion, Say that one more time. <laughs> religion, yeah. religion, religion got Daniel in the lion's den. Why? How did he end up in the lion's den? Because he wasn't willing to follow religion, uh, uh, religious practices. He stuck to um. his he stuck to his relationship with God. So religion got him in the lion's den, but relationship brought him out. Okay. You know, the, yeah. The, the, yeah. The relationship that he had with God is what got him out of the lion's den. You know, the relationship brought him out. And that's when, you know, when you when we talk about the kingdom of God, that was a demonstration of God's power. That was a demonstration of the kingdom of God in Daniel's life. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's, that's a really good one. Um, because, you know, the reason why we're having these discussions, so we can definitely, you know, go, go deeper into... You know, as we are uh, talking about these uh, these scriptures, you know, um, we are putting the topics out there. But this is a way for us to be able to discuss and also so for people can see, you know, the things that they that they don't see or they that they don't comprehend. Or, if, you know, this is a way for them for us to go into deeper revelation. And, you know, as we are discussing, you know, these topics, seeing entering the kingdom of God, because, you know, we have to let people know that is not a natural thing. This is definitely all spiritual, you know, for us to be able to see and uh, enter the kingdom of God. First of all, the kingdom of God is not a worldly thing. The kingdom of God is definitely spiritual and it rules in our hearts as you are a believer, as you are a believer. So not anybody can just enter into the kingdom of God. Not anybody can see the kingdom of God. You have to first be saved, uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, first of all, and um, build a relationship with him. So it doesn't just stop at receiving him, but it also continues 
where we have to be able to receive uh, to receive him into our hearts and continue um, building a relationship with him so we can be able to enter into uh, the kingdom of God. You have a lot of people who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they're still living in the world. They got one foot in the world and one foot out, but God does not want one foot in the world and one foot in, in the kingdom. Either you're all in or you're all out. He doesn't go half-half. There's no gray shade when it comes to God. No, it's either black or white. So you, we really need to, uh, after receiving Jesus Christ, we got to move forward with our relationship so we can be able to enter into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of God. And not only that, while we're here on earth, be able to see it because, you know, when you continue further in building that relationship with God, you're able to see certain things. He can, he will reveal certain things to you. You know, he will show you certain things. It doesn't come with the natural eye. It comes with the spiritual eye when he shows you, um, when you're able to see things, it's called revelation. <laughs> so he'll give you revelation when you um, build a relationship with him and you're able to draw, uh, grow closer and closer to him. So let me ask this before we continue. So while we're here, you know, I'll start with kingdom builder. How did you enter the kingdom of God? What was your life like before you entered the kingdom of God? Um. What was my life like? Uh, I was in turmoil. Um, was not uh, understanding who I was. Um, I couldn't fit into things. I didn't fit into society. You know, uh, for a long time, I was, you know, playing basketball, going to school. Everything was following what I believed to be what was right at the time. Um, but then when basketball stopped, then it was like, okay. You're no longer this basketball player. That's that's just a small part of who you really are. But who mm. am I? And so we went on this journey. Um, I was in college, uh, and I had to really like find out who I really am. And it took so many years uh, because I, you know, I didn't I didn't know. You're not having my father growing up. I didn't know how to identify uh, and what was manhood. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand. Uh, you know, I was still kind of a boy, kind of immature, didn't understand that, used to attend church and knew who Jesus was. But, you know, I didn't know anything, really. I was I wouldn't I wouldn't even say I was religious. I just didn't know anything. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I fell into drinking. I fell into smoking weed, uh, fornicating. And even all those things didn't satisfy me. And then one day uh, when I was 25, 26, uh, I got up and started going to church. I went one Sunday, you know, the routine, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. When you're taking your kid and I was going all the time with my mother and my aunt to church, I knew there was something there. I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something there. So one day I went and I remember the pastor, it was a packed church, but he just kept looking straight at me <laughs> and kept saying, you need to read your word. You need to get to know your word. You need to learn it for yourself. You need to pray for yourself. You need to heal yourself with the word. You need to read the word. And then I would go home and read the word of God. And I was like, I don't understand this. Uh, these guys are living thousands of years old and didn't make <laughs> sense at all. Um, you know, and none of it made sense. So I would close it up. But I would go back to church the next week and he kept saying it. Um, and so I was just really confused from that point on. 
And then, um, but I had a burning desire to read God's word. Mm. I mean, I really wanted to read the Bible because I was reading. I was reading. I, I read books, so I didn't have no problem reading. So I really wanted to read this Bible and really see what was the big deal um, about the Bible. And mm -hmm. I was able to go to a church service one night. My mother invited me to come. I really didn't want to come. Uh, I had brought this young lady to come with me. <laughs> we get to the we get to the parking lot and get into this horrendous fight in the car, arguing. I end up taking her home. Coming back, I was looking for my mother. I ended up sitting in the overflow room. Couldn't find mm -hmm. my mom. So I sat down. They put me in the front of the big screen in the overflow room. I said, <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to stay for about 15, 20 minutes. Then I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to get up. I'm going to go uh, get me some weed. And then I'm going to go to the club. <laughs> that was Friday night. It was my routine, right? And so that was what I was going to do. And as soon as uh, the service started, there was this woman by the name of the prophetess Juanita Bynum. And she came in and she began to preach and teach. And, and I remember my feet being like cement. I couldn't get them out the ground. I couldn't move. And I was actually sitting there and I was actually enjoying what I was listening to. But mm. I still wanted to leave. You know what I'm saying? But I couldn't move. I really couldn't move. And mm. she, the Holy Spirit began to use her. And she began to answer every question that I had. Were the pastors stealing money? Well, I used to hear all these rumors and I bought into them because I didn't know any better because I really didn't know. I don't really know anybody that steals money as a pastor, even, even as a pastor <laughs> I am now. Um, you know, I despise pastors, too. I didn't even know why I did. I didn't have no problem when I didn't know any. Um, mm -hmm. but you take on all these things you hear from other people, all these different things you take on. And so she went on to answer all those questions. She said, listen. Your job is not to take the messenger, just take the message. Your mm -hmm. job is to follow these scriptures and read the Bible and, and, and learn it for yourself. And she went through and really explained a lot. And then she asked for us to do a sacrifice. And she said, you need to give something that's going to hurt. You want God to do something for you. You need to put something. You're going to have to give something that hurt. Now, I had some money. I had, I had a nice amount of money. I just got paid. But I didn't feel like money didn't mean much to me then. It still doesn't necessarily now, but it didn't mean much to me in that sense. But I had a gold chain around my neck that did. And that chain, I mean, it was like I worshipped it. I idolized it. And so one of the things that I did was I felt led to put that chain on the altar. And so I did. I went and put it on the altar. I gave it up. And, you know, that next day I started to read the word. I started to uncover so much. This was June 1999. And mm. I ended up saved two months later. And I ended up reading the Bible a lot. Like between that month of June to August, I read at least 85% of the Bible, literally. Like I really ran through it. Like I was going through books after books after books on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and I was just getting really consumed with it. Um, I actually got saved. Because uh, at that time, I didn't move from Orlando to Fort Lauderdale to stay with my father. And I really saw the word there because I was living with my father and it was pure turmoil, it was pure hell. Uh, he wasn't saved and it was it was something else. So I really had to get into the word more. Um, but then God then 
took me back to Tallahassee and I went back to school, but I kind of fell off uh, at that time. And um, then that was 1999. Then I got lost again between 2000 to 2004. Mm -hmm. And then around 2005, I hit rock bottom. My, I mean, it was so bad. My mom had to come to Tallahassee and get taped. You know, I had to, I had got evicted from my house. Uh, I had some real problems with people that I was around. My mom actually had to come and get me. A grown man had to be picked up by his mom and saved by his mom. <laughs> um, but I thank God it, it did because she then brought me to Christ University, her house. Mm -hmm. And at that time, she was watching TBN. It would flash. She had all the books you could read on Christ. I mean, she had everything in the house, tapes, CDs, everything from Joel Osteen to Bishop T.D. Jakes to uh, her pastor, Pastor Ron Kimball. It was so much stuff. And, um, you know, God did some a whole bunch of miraculous miracles for me. Um, I got a job at the bank. And, um, you know, I just remember reading something out of Joel Osteen's book. And it said, you know, God can do such miracles in your life that you know, you'll you'll get a job and the employer will be like, I don't know why I'm hiring you. You're not qualified. I don't even understand why we're hiring you right at this moment. Well, when I got the job at the bank, that's exactly what George Jimenez said. I'll never forget it. He said, you know, you seem like a sharp guy, but I don't know why you don't have any experience. We don't know why we're hiring. I mean, he said the exact words that I read in that book. He said it. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, Oh, this is a sign from God. <laughs> so um, long story short, I got the job and I started, I was a collector and I sat at the desk one day and I was thankful to God and I was trying to figure out, I said, God, you know what? I'm going to read your word. I'm going to do better than what I did the last time. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read it. I'm going to meditate it. And matter of fact, I'm going to put your words in me. I'm an intention mm -hmm. to do that. And um, because I don't trust any pastors, I don't trust any of your people, I don't trust none of that. <laughs> so, what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna take your word, your word, I'm taking it right what it is. If this is what it says, I'm doing it exactly. If it says seek ye first, I'm seeking you first. And I'm even gonna <laughs> tell you, I'm even gonna tell you that. Um, so that was that's how I started, and I started writing, I started reading, writing the scriptures until I almost rewrote the whole Bible and almost meditated on it for three years, eight hours a day at my job. And that's and when so, the real, go ahead. So that so so what would you say is the official year you definitely have definitely entered the kingdom of God, received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then from there it's just been the official year was uh 20, 2012. You know, 2012 mm -hmm. underneath that tent. Um you know, because after 2005 to 2008, where I spent those three years, uh, I then, you know, went through some struggles again. At that time, I didn't have no one to disciple me. So I went through some struggles. Um, but then in 2012, when my mother got cancer and I knew I had to get closer to God because mm -hmm. he was the only person that could keep her alive. Uh, that's when I had to make that decision. I had mm -hmm. to make the decision to. Uh, they let this old life go and go for the new one. And of course, uh, the story, I meet Pastor Tahili at this tent, my pastor. And, you know, I you know, just told her I needed to be discipled. And mm -hmm. she said, you know what? I'm going to disciple you, but you have to come to my church so I can do it. I began mm -hmm. to 
come to the church. And then that's when um, I went from experiencing God from just reading the Bible mm -hmm. to now having personal experiences with him. Now working Amen. in the church, working close to a pastor, understanding mm -hmm. what to do, what not to do. Getting, uh, you know, we had so many books written by our spiritual father and spiritual mother, and being able to put them in the practice to see real men and women of God. You know, we had so many uh, overseers that came to the church, bishops that came to the church, people who had been in the walk with God for so long. That's Amen. when I was able to then um, know that I was not only did I see the kingdom, but I was entering it because I'm now practicing it. I'm now mm -hmm. living it, Amen. Um, yeah. you know, and now things that used to bother me don't bother me so much. Now, you know, I don't need the, the weed. I don't need the drinking. And you, you know, like I, pastors now. <laughs> well, and, and, and I had I had found up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like pastors now. I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. I knew I was totally ignorant on that subject. And so and God knew that and he forgave me for that. You know what I'm saying? Because Amen. I really didn't know. You know what I'm saying? I really mm -hmm. didn't know. And but I had a prayer to God and I always say to people, listen, be careful what you pray for. But I told yeah. him, I said, I told him three months before I met Pastor Till, I said, Lord, I don't know a man walking the face of the earth that is following your Bible. If there's really a man, if there's really a man, uh, bring me to him or bring him to me. And he and make sure he writes books so I can read and learn and study. Mm -hmm. And he brought me to the Archbishop, the Professor E. H. Guti, through Pastor Tahila and through a lot of other great men and women of God. And um, I'm so Amen. thankful because our, our father has written so many books. He's written so many things. Capture, capture. Um, he's captured his moments, his walks with God. And and his lessons that he's learned, and and to be able to the, the treasures that he's learned over time that can help us. You know, mm -hmm. I remember getting saved in 1999, but I didn't get baptized till 2008. Right. So I was walking around with a dead body. Right. When you don't get baptized immediately, you're still walking with that old dead flesh. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that until I read one of his books when I was in Bible school that talked right. about baptizing. Yeah. Right. But he explains why you have to be baptized. And that's that's what this podcast is all about. It's about us Amen. giving side strategies, the how to's and explaining as much as we can explain. And of course, we're, we're going to allow the Holy Spirit constantly to take over. But right. explaining how to do these things, you know, how to do it. And, you know, I know that I know the snipers are there. Um, you know, I don't know well, if you want to add to it, but. Well, we, we want to move on to and ask him his testimony. So okay. what, what we want to do is now to thank you for sharing your testimony, um, Kingdom Builder. Um, that was very powerful. And I know that definitely we got some young listeners out there and we definitely believe that they can relate to, you know, your story, especially some of them are in the position where, you know, where you were, you know, smoking weed, going to the club and drinking and everything and stuff. And, you know, uh, so this message, definitely your testimony will reach a lot of young people who are definitely looking for a way out from, you know, where they are and looking towards, you know, uh, for, you know, a brighter future and they want to do better and become better. But we want to definitely go to Kingdom Sniper. And after you, I'll share my testimony as well. 
But Kingdom Sniper, you are up. So what was what were you like before, you know, before you became Kingdom Sniper <laughs> and you entered into the Kingdom of God, uh, you know, also you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, you know, I grew up in, uh, in South Carolina, uh, Georgetown. Um, you know, growing up, you know, a young, uh, young man going to church, faking my way through church, pretty much. I'll, I'll, I'll say that because there, there was no God in my life. There was none. There was no God. You know, I go to church, lift up holy hands. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, faking the fallout while I'm in church, you know, Wow. so making them believe that, you know, that, hey, you know what, that he's saved. He gave his life to Jesus Christ at, you know, at, at the age of 13. Well, at 13, I was smoking marijuana and cocaine mixed together. Mm. I used to take the marijuana, cocaine. My cousin, you know, I had cousins. They were drug dealers in town. And, you know, I'd hang out with them and they say, hey, man, you know, you want to want to try this, you know, so we'd they showed me how to take the cigarettes and take the tobacco out, and then you mix the marijuana and cocaine together, you know. And wow, and, 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 and we were smoking. I mean, you know, smoking that stuff for 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 a couple of years. Did it for a couple of years, you know, coming in the house, sneaking in at night, sneaking wow. back out through the window, 15, 16 years old, mm -hmm. running the streets, you know, and really didn't have a have much direction in life, you know, because I mean, you know, my mom. Grandmother got killed in a car accident when I was about six years old. They left home one day. They died. And, you know, my dad, I, I was told that uh, my dad was a Vietnam War veteran. So, you know, I'm a happy kid walking around, chest stuck out. Hey, you know, my dad got killed as a soldier, you know. So, you mm. know, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm thinking, only to find out at the age of 19 that my father was very much alive. You know, I had two brothers that I went uh, to school with. We were in school like from second, third grade. One, we were in the same grade and the other one was one year behind. Well, I flunked the seventh grade and then I fell back with the other one. And and we fought. We, I mean, we fought through middle school. We fought almost every day. Didn't know we were family. Didn't know we were brothers, you know, so... Mm -hmm. Fast forward from there, you know, I mean, life, life spiraling out of control. Um, mm. Almost got locked up a couple of times for drugs, you know, but, you know, I said, man, I was lucky. But the realization, it wasn't luck. It was God. You know, God mm. was looking out for me. God had his hand on my life from from the day I was born. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's the realization now, you know, because I had friends that got locked up when they were getting locked up. I could have gotten locked up, but for some reason, I was the guy that was never there when things went down. You know, God would always keep me away from it, you know? So then, mm -hmm. fast forward, I said, okay, you know, I need some direction in life. One of my cousins, we grew up like brothers, you know, he talked to me and he told me, he said, hey, man, he said, you know what? He said, you need to get out of here. You need to get away from here. He said, if you don't get away from here, your life is going to be ruined. So I joined the military. So when I joined the military, okay, you know, I'm, you know, first of all, I didn't like it when I first got there, you know, because I mean, I grew up in the South, you know, growing up in South Carolina and black and white people just didn't gel together. You know, so <laughs> when I got to the military, you know, I had a, had a lot of different 
bosses, sergeant so-and-so, and this one, sergeant so-and-so. But, you know, I had this thing in me, you know, I, I, I'm i like, you know what? I'm not going to take no orders from, from white people, uh, from a white mm. man. You know, mm. that, that, was, that was my mindset. Why? Because I was angry. I was angry at my father when I found out who he was and he tried to make amends with me. I didn't want to have nothing to do with him. I'm like, dude, why, why are you even coming around me? I said, here I am. I'm 21 years old, you know, been through my hard times in life. You know, I, I, I don't need you. I don't need you around me. So then, you know, fast forward from there and about 2007, I got a phone call from my brothers one day and they said, dad passed away. They're burying him in two days. I didn't know he was sick, jumped on the plane, flew home, buried him, took off and went to Iraq, you know, but before I went to Iraq, you know, I, you know, I thought I had found uh, myself when I was in, in the military, but there was no God, no God, no God anywhere around at all. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to the clubs, I'm in the military, still smoking weed drinking alcohol, getting drunk every every day. I used to drink seven days a week. I didn't actually think I was going to be alive, to tell you the truth, because I used to get drunk, ride motorcycles. I'm on a motorcycle going 100 miles an hour after I, you know, and then drank two, three bottles of Brass Monkey. Wow. You know, I'm just, I'm just getting tore up, just getting <laughs> tore up. You know, I had no, no, no direction. I was like, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just living just to be living, you know, so. You know, and what it was, I was looking for something, but I didn't know what it was I was looking for. Mm. So then I met some people. I got involved with them. When I got involved with these people, uh, I stayed involved with them for about for about 18 years. And the more time I spent around them, the worse my life got. But I, I, I didn't see it. The devil had me. The devil had me consumed. The devil had me trapped. Mm. Only to realize, only to realize 18 years later. I was actually into Satanism. I, I was doing satanic worship. You know, I was bringing other young men in, in, you know, into this thing that I was doing, you know, and drawing them, drawing them into it. I didn't see the wrong in it, you know? Mm. So I, I, I went to Iraq. Um, I was married, you know, I'll be totally 100% honest. I'll be transparent. I was married. I had a wife, but I wasn't a faithful husband. I was a cheating husband. So I wasn't a kingdom man. You know, I was a worldly man that, that you know, convinced myself that, okay, this is life. This is how life is supposed to be, mm. you know? So I jumped out there and started doing, doing the things that I was doing. Well, marriage fell apart. I'm in Iraq, okay? I was there for eight months, and I came back home for 14 days. And I was sitting in my house one day, and... The Lord had Joel Osteen come on TV, and I'm sitting in the house, just getting ready to go to go back to Iraq two days later, and I'm sitting in my house crying, and I'm watching Joel Osteen, because I'm like, you know what? Something ain't right. Something's not right. I just, I, I felt something was wrong, and I sat in my house, and I sat there, and I cried, and I watched Joel Osteen, and, and, and I just sat there, and I cried. Next thing you know, two days later, I'm back in Iraq. And when I got to Iraq, it was a it was a guy. He was one of my soldiers for, for uh, I, I trained him like ten years before. I used to be a drill sergeant. Mm. And this guy looked this guy looked at me and he told me he said, "Top, you know they call you top when you're a first sergeant." 
He said, Top, he said, um, the Lord told me to tell you to read Psalms 91. So I wasn't, re I wasn't a Bible reader, okay? I was not a Bible reader. I'm like, you know what? I'm good. He said, nah, you ain't good, man. He said, you ain't good. He said, listen, my mom told me to read Psalms 91. And he told me, he said, read Psalms 91 because in a few days you're going to go through some things. And I got to my room that night. I sat in my office crying like a baby, crying. And all of a sudden, the low voice in me said, remember what your soldier told you, read Psalms 91. And I mm -hmm. read Psalms 91 a couple of times. But three days later, the devil launched an attack on me. And, and, and I want people to know, you know, that, that the devil is real. Mm -hmm. De demonic oppression is real. Mm -hmm. demonic takeover over your mind is very real because that's where I ended up at. And I ended up standing in the middle of the streets at one 30 in the morning with a loaded nine millimeter took my head seconds away from pulling the trigger and blowing my brains out. The enemy stood there right, right there, right there on my shoulder and said, look, he said, you lost your daughter. You, you're going to lose your son. You don't have a wife. You don't have any reason to live. He said, take mm -hmm. your life. He said, take your life. He said, your only way out is death. Your only way out. He said, look, you, you know, if you go back and you kill yourself when you go back, you're only going to get $250,000 to take care of your kids. He said, but if you do it here, then it's double. You get a half a million dollars. They're going to take a little bit out for the taxes. 400, 400 and something thousand dollars going, going to your kids. And it's all over. It's done with, you know, it's just that simple. So the enemy was in my head and I'm standing there and I'm like, you know, I'm crying. I'm just standing there crying. And these demons were like running around inside my head, one 30 in the morning. And I'm standing there in the streets. And all of a sudden I heard a voice said, I love you. Mm. And when I heard that voice, I looked around and it sounded like, David Jr. And I said, DJ, he said, dad, I'm here. And I'm looking around and I said, where are you? He says, I'm here, dad. He said, I love you, dad. So I, I started walking. I put the nine millimeter back in the wholesale walk. When I got to the front door, God took the spirit away. Foof, he was gone. I went inside mm -hmm. the office. I sat down, sat down in the office. Totally distraught, totally distraught, just sitting there trying to figure, you know, and in my mind, you know, I, I was so strong as a soldier that I used to say, you know what, for somebody to want to take their own life, they have to be weak. That's, that's what I used to say. I said, it takes a weak person to want to commit suicide. Mm. Not a weak person is a demonically, is a demonic oppressed person to commit suicide. Yeah, who you know, a, a person in their normal natural mind doesn't just take a gun and want to blow their brains out. The, the, the devil is the orchestrator of the whole situation. And mm. God allowed me to go right there, right there to that point. But he pulled me away from there. And I went in my office. I sat down. That was that was August, uh, August 11th, 2008. August the 14th, 2008. I'm, you, you know, I'm, I'm in my room. I'm laying in my bed. And I want to talk to, you know, the people in this podcast, especially uh, 
the young men that are on this podcast, I want to tell you that the devil is real. The devil is very real. See, because the, the enemy had me trapped in a life of pornography for 38 years. 38 years from the age of 10 for 38 years, the enemy had me bound. He had me bound in, in pornography. I, I couldn't get away from it. You know, so here I am. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my room laying in my bed. I'm getting ready to go to sleep. Something hit me and say, hey, 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 pop up the pornography on your computer. You see, this is real talk. You know, I popped up uh, uh, on the computer I had on the desktop, the C drive, and I had a backup flash drive. I had about 300 gigs of pornography around me. And I and I and I was laying in the bed. I, I fell asleep. I woke up. My body was on fire. I felt like someone had took a funnel, stuck it down my throat, and filled me up with gasoline and dropped a match inside my body. That's how bad I was burning. Mm. My entire my entire body was on fire. Wow. I got up. I looked in the mirror, touching my body, gasping for air. I went and laid down in the bed, and I said, "God, I said, you know what?" I said, I didn't live for you for 40, 44 years. I said, so so if you came to get me tonight, I said, it's okay. I said, it's okay. So I laid in my bed. I, I couldn't get up. I couldn't move. I laid in the bed. And all of a sudden, a small voice said, get on your knees. It's time. And I rolled from the bed to the floor. And when I got on my knees, I had my Bible and I had the picture of my son's mother laying on the bed. And then another uh, preacher had came. He's in the military, too. He came and he told me, he said, hey, read uh, Psalms. Um, no, um, uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. He said, meditate on those verses." He told me that earlier during the day. And I remembered and I started meditating on the verse and I got the Bible and I got the picture beside me. And, and I'm trying to meditate on the words, but I'm sitting there and, and, and I'm looking at my wife and I'm like, you know, and then all of a sudden, a voice said, get rid of her picture. Say, it's not about her. He says, it's about you. So I got rid of the picture, stayed on my knees, kept kept staying and staying in those verse, in those verse. And all of a sudden, I, I turned and I looked up to heaven and I said, Lord, I said, I'm not leaving. I'm not moving from here until you come because I know it's you. And I stayed on my knees. And the power of God came in my body, lifted me from the floor and went inside my body and was picking my body apart. My whole intestinal, the whole intestinal part of my body was being ripped and shredded. It, it was like a battle between God and the devil was going on because I could feel my intestines being pulled and snapping back in place. Mm. But it felt like it felt like thousands of little hands were inside my body doing this surgery. And I laid there and I laid there and I'm sweating. I'm like soaking wet. I'm just laying in the bed, pouring down with sweat. And all of a sudden, everything stopped. And when it stopped and I laid on the bed and I rolled over and, and, and the lights were out. The room was pitch black, didn't have windows. We didn't have windows because we were in the combat zone. So mm. we didn't have windows of just, just a pitch black room. I'm in this room. And I laid on the bed and all of a sudden a vision appeared before my face and I'm trying to grab the objects and things that I saw in the vision. I was like, whoa, you know, I laid there. I got so excited and, and all of a sudden I laid there and then, then I got calm for a while. And when I got calm, 
a small voice said, turn on your computer. And I said, no. And the voice said very softly, he said, turn the computer on. So when I turned on the computer and I was on, I was on the desktop, I had a folder on the desktop that was full of pornography. When I turned that computer on, that folder was gone. And I immediately got scared. I said, you know what? God is definitely getting ready to kill me. <laughs> so I got I got in the C drive. He said, go in the C drive. I went in the C drive, clicked on the C drive. Everybody pornography was gone. I got even more mm -hmm. scared. And he said, take the flash drive and put it in the computer. And I put the flash drive in the computer. And when I when I clicked on the flash drive, not just the pornography, but every document that I had on that flash drive, God supernaturally erased it. Mm, and I rolled over wow. on the floor and I got on my knees and I put my put wow. my fingers between my hands and I laid there and I, I just cried and I and I said, God, forgive me. I said, forgive me, Lord. And then a small voice said, what else do I have to do to prove to you that I'm real? Mm. And I said, God, you got me. I threw my two hands up and, and, and some time later, uh, it was a couple of days later, actually, because um, God kept taking me through uh, like the spiritual surgery, like three o'clock in the morning. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night at 3 a.m. God would visit me in my room. Mm. And he was just cleaning me out. He kept cleaning me out and just cleaning me out and cleaning me out in my intestines. My whole body just feel like it's just being ripped apart and being renewed, put back together again. And I laid there. And this particular night, the Lord spoke to me and he said, would you go anywhere I tell you to go and would you do anything I tell you to do? And I said, Lord, you got me. I said, you got me. And from that time, from that time, all the way up until now, you know, you know, God took me from Iraq in 2008. It started from Iraq when he took me and sent me to another base to save this young, this young man from suicide at four o'clock in the morning. The young man was going to kill himself. I didn't know what the mission was that God had for me, but he put me on a plane. He said, you'll be on the plane in 48 hours. 48 hours, you'll be leaving Iraq. I said, there, there's no way. I said, I got 215 soldiers here in Iraq, and you telling me I'm going to be gone in 48 hours? And I will tell you, in 24 hours, I was on a plane flying from Iraq, going to Kuwait. Didn't even know why I was going there. But when I got there at 4 o'clock in the morning, when I got there earlier that day, I went to bed at night, and God woke me up. At four o'clock in the morning, had me standing in front of a young man that had a loaded gun and he was seconds away from killing himself. And God put me right in front of him and he saved this young man's life. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I said, God, I don't understand. Why, why did you keep me? He said, I kept you because you have things that you have to do for me. He said, he, he, he said I want your life to be a life that's dedicated to these young boys and young girls out here. He said, I, I'm, I'm giving you children. I'm, I'm giving you many children. And when God, you know, spoke that to me, I didn't understand the magnitude of it, 
but God has given us children all over the world. All, all, all the young kids, all of their problems, all of their issues and everything that they're dealing with. God let me know that he said, this is your life. This is the life that I want to inject you into. So now this is where we are, you know, so that's why, you know, and I'm getting ready to cut off here in a second, but that's the reason why we're where we are right now. That's the reason why we have this kingdom talk podcast. Because this thing is about Jesus Christ. It's not about, you know, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship that God wants us to have with him. Because the enemy is upset right now because the devil is on an all-out assault to kill and, kill and destroy as many as he can. But that's why God has us on this mission. And that's the reason why, I, you know, I, I love uh, the name, the Holy Spirit just gave me that name. I was just sitting there and the Holy Spirit said, kingdom sniper. Why? Because you're in the kingdom and you're sniping for me. He said, you're a sniper for me. So, so, so this is a name that I will carry for the rest of my life. Thank you. <laughs> kingdom being there. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, kingdom sniper. And thank you. Kingdom billionaire. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. However, the great news is we're going to have a part two. We're going to have a part two of seeing and entering the kingdom of God. And on that part two, I will give my testimony. But we had some powerful testimonies from Kingdom Builder and Kingdom Sniper. Kingdom Builder, do you have anything that you wanted to say? I just want to thank uh, the Apostle David for sharing that testimony. Yes, we want to get to yours as well in part two. Um, you know, I love what the Apostle just said, the sniper. He said it's about relationship versus uh, religion. And I think that's both basically what both of our testimony was moving from outer darkness into the light. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where God took us. Right. He took us from ignorance to knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, he took us, you know, he takes us from light to darkness, from poor to rich. You know what I'm saying? From lazy to diligent. Right. Let me read something to you before we close out. Religion versus the kingdom. The power of religion lies in its ability uh, to serve as a substitute for the kingdom. Thus hinders mankind from pursuing the genuine answer to his dilemma. You know, my study of the nature of religion and how it impacts the process of man's search for the kingdom uncovered several significant truths. I want people to listen to this. The religion preoccupies man until he finds kingdom. Religion is what man does until he finds the kingdom. Religion prepares man to leave earth. The kingdom empowers man to dominate the earth. Religion focuses on heaven. The kingdom focuses on earth. Religion is reaching up to God. The kingdom is God coming down to man. Religion wants to escape the earth. The kingdom impacts, influences, and changes the earth. Religion seeks to take earth to heaven. The kingdom seeks to bring heaven to earth. You know, and so look at the, the total, and we're going to go through that more in part uh, two and maybe three, um, really digesting this whole thing. Because what Apostle David and myself and our testimonies, it was from us that we were a far distance from God and God mm -hmm. was pulling us in and we were now reaching to him and pulling him from his, from his heaven 
to us, bringing heaven to us. And this is what God wants to do. He, he doesn't want us to go to heaven to him, not, not until we got all our work done, because there's, there's so much work on earth we have to do. Right. And so this is these misconceptions um, that we want to help. We want to speak to people about. And one of the things that if you don't get anything from this podcast today, at least this show, the one thing I could tell you to take away that God is real. Mm. God is very, very, very real. Um, um, but, you you know, you've got to want to find him. You know, <laughs> you, yeah. you, you got to want to seek him. You got to want to go out after him. And yeah. You know, we're excited about how far we're going to go. Uh, we definitely can go, uh, you know, much deeper. We're going to go much deeper. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm going to pass this back to you, uh, Kingdom Billionaire. But all our, our audience just want to let you know, listen, I know you've seen it flashing on the screen. Go to our page on Facebook. Go to our YouTube page and subscribe. Uh, go ahead and go to our IG page. Begin to follow us. We're going to have some key insights. Some um, We're going to have some stuff on there as well um, for you. We got a lot of great things coming in the future. This will be the number one podcast. You want to be a part of it. You want to see the growth uh, uh, between the three of us as well as everybody. And we want testimonies. We know mm -hmm. that this kingdom talk uh, is going to change people's lives. We know that God is going to do some uh, work, some miracle work in a lot of people's lives. We're confident in that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, my, our father, the professor, P.H. Guti says, and he says it very clear to us. He says, uh, Professor E.H. Guti, excuse me. He says, whether you know the kingdom of God or not, he said, just talk about it, have conversations about it. And I believe this is what this was birth that was birthed from. This whole podcast was birthed from that statement of let's talk about it. And that's what we're going to mm -hmm. do. We're going to talk about it, examine it. We're going to tear up the kingdom. We're going to rip it apart. It's going to come right back together. And the Holy Spirit is going to put everything uh, together for us. So I'm super excited. As you can see, we could keep going. Um, but I'm going to pass it back to, to you, Kingdom Billionaire. Uh, thank you, Kingdom Sniper. And I'm also the kingdom builder. Uh, this is awesome. Amen. Yeah. Before we end, we also uh, just in two, two, two seconds um, before we go ahead and end kingdom sniper, please. Uh, we know that you gave a powerful testimony and I was going to say, but I didn't want to cut you off because you had a good flow. You have a great thing that you have going on. You are not only just an apostle, but you are also an author. So in like two minutes, tell tell everybody about you being an author, not about you being an author, but tell everybody about this great book that you have where they can find even more of your testimonies. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely right, uh, Kingdom Billionaire. You know, the Lord had spoke to me about seven, eight years ago and told me he wanted me to write. And God led me to write a book, and the book is entitled Fallen Soldier, Finding God with a Broken Spirit. And the author title in the book is uh, Pastor David Williams. Uh, you can get the book on Amazon. Also, you can get the book at uh, Barnes & Nobles. They, they don't sell the book in the store. But you could go on Barnes & Noble's uh, website and you could order the book from Barnes & Noble's. I say again, the book is entitled Fallen Soldier, Finding God with a Broken Spirit by the author, P 
Pastor David Williams, and there will be other books that will be following. Thank you. Amen. Also, and also uh, real soon, we are, he is definitely working on it becoming an ebook as well. So we will have that available to you guys uh, soon. We'll let you know about the update. Other than that, thank you so much, Kingdom Builder, Kingdom Sniper. I am um, Kingdom Billionaire. And we definitely thank everybody for tuning in into our brand new podcast, which will soon be like Kingdom Billion, uh, Kingdom Builder said, number one podcast in the world. And we will be here to just be discussing the kingdom of God. And we thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And everyone, have a blessed day. God bless. Good night, everyone.